Hello and welcome to the Data Lab podcast. I'm Brian Hills and from everyone at the Data Lab, we hope you and your families are keeping healthy and managing to navigate the challenges we are all experiencing with the COVID-19 pandemic. This episode with Professor Roger Halliday was recorded in the first quarter of 2020 before the pandemic hit the UK. We discussed career path, examples of using public data for good, Research Data Scotland, Scotland's AI strategy and using data to tackle climate change. Since recording the podcast, there's obviously been a number of changes in the context of that discussion, and I wanted to set the scene before we start. So Roger's role has developed since that point, and from being the Chief Data Officer and Chief Statistician of the Scottish Government, he is now the Chief Statistician and Head of COVID Modelling and Analysis for the Scottish Government, and also Interim CEO of Research Data Scotland. Now, we talk a lot about Research Data Scotland, its mission and objective in the podcast, and obviously that's pivoted significantly towards facing COVID. All the details of that can be found on the website, which is www.researchdata.scot. Also, we talk about Scotland's AI strategy, and at the time it was scheduled for a release in September of 2020. That timeline has now extended slightly, so the AI strategy is scheduled for launch in the spring of 2021, ahead of the Scottish parliamentary elections. And finally, the United Nations Climate Change Conference COP26 we talk about in the podcast, that was scheduled for November 2020. That's been moved to November 2021 in Glasgow. So with all that context in place, I hope you enjoy this discussion with Professor Roger Halliday. And from everyone at the Data Lab, please continue to keep safe. Roger, welcome to the Data Lab podcast. Hi, Brian. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, so what is your role and responsibilities as the Chief Statistician and Data Officer at the Scottish Government? Okay, so uh, the chief statistician means that I'm responsible for whatever numbers come out of the public sector in Scotland. So whether that's about jobs, about schools, about the health service, or things like our population surveys or index of multiple deprivation that we've got coming out next week. And what the chief data officer uh, is is making sure that actually we use that data and we use data more broadly across Scotland to create economic, social, environmental value. And what that means is it's either kind of through research or through data sharing for operational purposes. And my role is really about setting the strategy, policies and providing services for that to happen. And we're going to go into a lot of that in depth through this uh, podcast. Before we get into that, it'd be useful to touch on getting to the role of Chief Statistician and Data Officer. Summarise your kind of career path at that point. How did you get there? Yeah, so... I won't say what year I graduated, but I graduated in statistics when it was called statistics in those days. Uh, I've always uh, sort of went onto the government uh, fast stream. And so I've always worked in the public sector, um, sometimes uh, in a role of an analyst or in a statistician, sometimes in the role of a policy advisor, a policymaker. Um, and there's probably no part of government that I haven't got my uh, hands into at one point or another, but it's kind of taken me all across the UK, working in London, working in Leeds, working in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, and that, I guess, uh, I then became the chief statistician here in Scottish government in 2011. And I guess there was the sort of realisation over the, the few years that followed that 
actually this the data agenda is big that people are really starting to get it and get excited about it but that if we were going to do this and do this right that we needed to put quite a bit of investment thought and energy into this and actually in those days it wasn't really anybody's job to do that it was a lot of different people's jobs so 2017 i became the chief data officer for scottish government and that meant that i brought together uh, a whole range of people who's who's a bit of job it was to improve the the environment for for data to improve people's lives and that's that's kind of what's brought me here today i guess and many of our listeners will not be in government so set the scene for us uh, in terms of data and government so how many analytical units or people and statisticians do you have working across the government with data uh, so i guess my job is in two parts. One's uh, to provide that leadership within government and is to provide the leadership across the public sector more broadly. So in government, how we we organise things, that we have uh, teams of statisticians, researchers, economists and and other data uh, scientists, professionals, kind of working in individual topic-based teams. Uh, And so whether that's on the health or on education or rural issues or or whatever and we have about 200 statisticians we have about 200 economists and social researchers as well Uh, but then more broadly we've got about 40 organizations across scotland whether that's the environmental protection agency or the registers of scotland who deal with uh, house transactions whatever it might be uh, there's a, a small group of analysts within each of those organizations that we need to work with if, if we're going to be able to uh, be successful and allow data to be used um, for public good. And one of the key things uh, for the, the teams would be to interface with ministers and politicians and government working in these areas, looking at policies, developing policies. And uh, how does that interface work? Yeah, so the, the analysts that I mentioned that are in the topic-based teams, they're experts both in the data uh, in analytical techniques and also in the policy and understanding the environment. Um, so what, they, what they'll do is the, they'll kind of understand these are the evidence gaps that, are, that, that there exist for the, the important decisions that we as a government need to take and we'll plan and, and, and act upon that work. The, they'll be meeting uh, ministers, uh, they'll be uh, meeting uh, people at the parliament providing evidence to committees i have that pleasure on a regular basis uh, and the, the they're, they're essentially uh, advisors to two ministers and part of a, a policy making um, unit within uh, within government that's how that's how things work okay so if we take a step back now from the working of governments in terms of your overall vision and plan and priorities for enabling Scotland to make the most of its data for its citizens. Can you give an overview of of what your your vision and plans are? Yeah, so I see data innovation happening across Scotland, you know, but I would probably argue that it's not happening systematically. It's happening by people that are determined in in places and great things come come of that. So my vision is really that data innovation happens at scale, that it's a... Uh, it's it's something that is just another tool in the toolkit for anyone working public, f- private, third sector organisation in, in Scotland, and that also the the public support what's happening with their data. 
because uh, ultimately this is about saving time, money, and lives with data. And there are huge benefits of, you know, huge potential here. We think that there's about a billion pounds of saving in Scotland to the public sector. That's 1% of the total um, total public spend, 400 pounds for each household in Scotland, and an additional 4 billion pounds per year um, of benefit to the economy. So, you know, my colleagues are really excited in government about what the potential is and recognize the steps that, that we need to go through. And for me, that's about building the environment where data can be shared in secure and legal ways for clear and ethical purposes. And that means, for me, building upon building statements of kind of underlying principles and policies around how data can be used, and then building services on top of that to give greater confidence to organizations in using and sharing data and to give confidence in individuals that data has been appropriately handled and it's been used for, for things that are in the public good. Yeah, which is obviously high visibility and priority at the moment with various things that have happened across the world. I, I think it has to be, yeah. Um, and So to make that real, because data can often seem very abstract and benefit and value from data is a very abstract thing, the thing that makes it come alive is the examples of things that have been done with data that have, that have helped citizens save money um, across the board. So can you give me an example or two of things that have been done in the past that prove that hypothesis? Um, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of things that are going on at the moment, such as projects preventing homelessness or stopping um, out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. In fact, you know, figures out yesterday showed that the survival rate from cardiac arrest is now uh, twice what it was five years ago, and that's because we could link up data. But the one I wanted to focus on was about uh, how we predict and, and stop people, uh, high-intensity users of, of hospital care services, uh, needing those services by doing proactive case management. So and I was working in the Department of Health uh, a few years ago, and what we, we found is that actually uh, a very small proportion of people account for more than half of the, the resources of the NHS. And the question is, actually, could you predict who these people are and... Uh, then manage their care to avoid um, them needing to to use those services or as many as as much of those services. And uh, it turns out that you can. Um, that actually we, we tried out could could GPs identify and predict who in the next twelve months would become these very high intensity users of healthcare services? And, and GPs got that right about a third of the time. And. So Mike, I was brought in as an analyst to say, well, actually, could could we predict a use computing model to to predict that? And actually, when we did that, we got the prediction right two two thirds of the time, rather than the third with with GPs, um, which was which was great. Um, but then, actually, when we um, when we trained GPs to use this model, then actually they could put that together with some of their intelligence and get that prediction right three quarters of the time. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because actually that means the people that need it are getting proactive services to avoid them going to hospitals. So there's people that live longer, have a higher quality of life. There's a massive saving to the NHS in terms of the budget that they can spend on other things. And the, this showed that Actually, to, to me, the analytics was a bit of it, but much more broadly, what, what made it a success was the buy-in from 
uh, clinicians in the in the NHS context, but people operationally delivering services, managers delivering services, and national policy makers in the context of the public sector. We needed a whole team around this to uh, to, to drive the benefit. The, the The analysis took us so far. We needed the buy-in to make those potential benefits real. So, you know, examples of that really make it come to life, and I think. That must be very rewarding for you in being involved in those projects because you are changing people's lives. Yeah, I mean, the scale that we were operating at was huge. That was a billion pound worth of savings uh, and hundreds of thousands of people that are getting different kind of care, more proactive care, who's high, they have a higher quality of life. You know, ultimately, that's why I joined public service, because I want to um, want to do exactly, exactly that. So brilliant. Uh, I sort of look back very proud uh, to be involved in that project. And you mentioned in that project some of the kind of key factors for success. And linking into earlier where the, the vision is to, to scale the benefit across the country, what are the lessons that you've learned across you know, your experience on what are the key elements to delivering successful impact in this area? Um, and also, counter to that, what do you foresee is the biggest challenge we have in the country to realising that? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think the, the, the critical success factors for me are being clear, number one, about the problem that you're trying to solve and building that team, like I, like I said, of of managers, uh, the service direct service managers. So getting buy-in from the business um, to and and being clear that the business owns the problem and is very clear about what that is. Uh, understanding how can a data product help solve that. So what what's the role of uh, of, of information in helping solve that problem, and then really I suppose getting. Uh, the, the business to to buy into kind of sort of testing and potentially adopting the solutions to that. Uh, I think that's that's all absolutely crucial. And one of the the ways that we're thinking about this is. Uh, through something that we're calling frontier meetings. Essentially, it's about bringing those different perspectives together to really work on, yeah, what's the problem here that we're trying to solve and what what's each of our roles in making that transformation. Uh, so I think that, that ownership thing and the team around this is absolutely crucial. I think the other thing is about making sure that you've got the available data to do this stuff in the first place and that it's good enough quality. And so just to go back to your other question, which is about what are the biggest biggest challenges? Look, the, I think the biggest problem here is the projects take too long. Yeah. And the, I think that comes down to uh, lack of trust and confidence of, of the owners of data, that the data will be appropriately secure and used appropriately. So, the, you know, this is one of the, the things that uh, we're putting in place is a new service called Research Data Scotland that is absolutely about addressing that central concern. Um, and so that's, uh, that's about making sure that uh, the data that we have um, is is visible so that we can see what data we've got that's accessible 
uh, and the, is, is linkable so that we can tell whether uh, it, across our, our big data holdings, such as the census or data about health or about people's uh, education or so on, that we can link between these different things about people's lives, but also about uh, places and, and businesses uh, across Scotland. So I think, yeah, that coming back to it, the crucial thing that we need to get right is that data share, that environment for proper data sharing. And so you mentioned yeah, the, the time and the cadence to get data ready to then use. Um, when I was running teams, I used to say that, you know, data people don't like to measure themselves. They like to measure everything else, <laughs> but apart from themselves. So I wonder, you know, have, have you looked at what is the average time to get a project through the funnel or data signed off and through the funnel? And then, and we'll talk about it in a moment, Research Data Scotland being able to shift that number. Are you guys measuring that? Yeah. Uh, well, at the moment, frustratingly, the average time for a project is a year. Right. And th- and that's a year till you, you know, from coming up with the idea to actually getting data in front of you to do stuff with. I mean, right, that's, so that's not even, analysis, that's that's not even okay. the, the project live. Yeah. So, and that's really frustrating. You know, sig- part of that is, you know, to get permission from the owners of the data to, to use that. And part of the, part of it's kind of extracting the data where it's about, uh, where it's data from different places, linking that up. Um, well, yeah, all of that takes time because you do it after you come up with the idea. So you mentioned Research Data Scotland. The idea of that is, well, let's do some of that stuff up front so that when the idea comes along, well, you're clear what data we've got and that that path to access is is a lot clearer. So my ambition is to move from a year to a month on average. And that really takes us into the territory where data innovation can be much more systematic because, you know, you have the idea, you go and do it, and away you go. Okay, so we've touched a bit on Research Data Scotland. So exciting new initiative, mission on bringing lots of data together and being able to uh, catalyse more projects quickly. So let's get into that uh, in more detail. So ultimately, where do you want to take that? So what I want to do with that, uh, first of all, we've got to establish, we've got to gain credibility across the owners of data. I mean, everybody that I've talked to who owns data at the moment is like, right, that's exactly what we need. I'm in. Where do you sign me up? But we need to dem- have some demonstration projects um, across that. So I'm talking to a few people now about what those things can be. Uh, we've already got an investment from the Economic and Social Research Council where we're going to be doing projects around community safety, around uh, the people's long-term health, around children, and making sure that, uh, that children from uh, difficult backgrounds uh, can uh, grow up uh, loved, safe, and able to contribute to uh, society and the economy. Um, so we've got a, f- a few projects on the go, we've got. Um, I'm looking at some bigger scale uh, demonstration projects, uh, and I th- but I think more broadly, uh, my ambition is that you know this can be something that actually internationally can attract uh, quite a bit of attention and uh, research funding because you know when I hear about big research funders that are looking to invest around the world, data access and the organisation of data is 
are two crucial factors in that. And I think the, the the services that will be put in place and the infrastructure will be put in place with Research Data Scotland can really nail both of those things. And picking up a point that you, you mentioned there, now you, you'd said that you have to attract data owners to want to participate, which is an interesting point. So from an, my naive perspective, I thought, country's data you could mandate that and this would happen so what was the kind of process around that you have to attract people into want to, to participate yeah i guess every organization um and you know i'm not just talking about public bodies here but potential private sector organizations um or, or the like so um i guess we're we're thinking about what the financial model for for, for such a thing might be uh, for for people donating data but it, yeah, the public sector doesn't quite work like that. So the, the government says, and therefore, um, therefore, for public bodies do. Um, you know, obviously, there's there's some uh, bodies that are closer to government where we have a greater greater influence. Um, but you know, I think ultimately, you know, data owners they want to see that there's something in it for them. So we're very much talking to organisations. I'll give Police Scotland as an example, where we're working on some operational problems for Police Scotland by allowing them to link their data into people's data about people's health, for example, in order for them to understand how they can better manage demand and that we can better help particular parts of uh, of society. Um, so... So yeah, I think that's that's the kind of thing that we'll need to work up. But I've already got a queue of uh, of organisations that are keen to work with us on this, and I think it's this year's about a proof of concept. Okay, and key to enabling that to work from a citizen's perspective is the public engagement aspect, because everything that's been happening in the last few years around data ownership and data misuse around the world, people are very alert to these things happening and I would argue fearful of people bringing data together about them and doing um, bad things for them. So have you got a plan of action to do a public engagement piece on uh, enabling them to understand the benefits of this and how you're ethically managing that data? Yeah, so I would say first of all, um, the the model that we've got is is incredibly secure. both in terms of, you know, data uh, research only happens and access to, to data will only happen where the research is for the, in the public good and where it illuminates our understanding of equalities issues. The, the second thing is that data is completely de-identified uh, so that no one at any one time can see uh, people's personal details and their or kind of identifying details and the, the data about them. That just doesn't happen. And the, the data doesn't leave a secure infrastructure. Uh, that uh, you, you have to be a qualified researcher to, to get there. So there's, uh, to, to, to get access. So there's there's a lot of, uh, the model is kind of an international standard of, uh, of safe use of data. But you're absolutely right. We need to get a, a way where public understand what's happening to, to the data. We're testing out uh, a couple of things around doing that systematically at the moment. So, for example, we're working with an organization called Involve, who are a public engagement uh, specialist organization. And they were testing out approaches to how do we get out to communities around uh, Scotland, around the UK, and 
make sure that the things that we're doing or planning to do with people's data uh, are acceptable, that, that there may be different parts of the population that feel quite differently about that. And so to uh, try and reach out at some level of scale uh, and engage and listen and, and respond in terms of the changing public mood and to have that as an ongoing uh, way of dialogue rather than just a kind of one-off uh, engagement exercise. Great. And so in terms of um, launching it and the, the timeline to the first outputs, what's your, what's your schedule for launching Research Data Scotland? So we're expecting to uh, establish the organisation um, formally over the next few months that in, in parallel with that, we're going to be doing some quite big scale demonstration, example, exemplar kind of projects and that will go kind of live a launch um, later on during the year. I've already got plenty of organizations and people that are keen to use the service. What I'm keen to do is uh, to make sure that it's stood up in a way that can respond once we open up the door and let people in. Uh, and, and that's, we're going to be testing, essentially testing it out over most of 2020. And it's going to go big next year, I'm sure. Fantastic. So a lot more to come. There'll be a website, there'll be all the public engagement, all the examples. Yeah, and so all all we do, not just with Research Data Scotland, but more broadly, I do in an open open approach, blogging about things, publishing as we go. I think that's the you know, about building trust. I think that's got got to be fundamental for, for building trust. So uh, I'll be putting out regular blogs on, on this on the, the Scottish Government website just to give people updates. There's, there's information there that already if people want to want to take a look, but we'll be publishing a lot more soon. Fantastic. And so Research Data Scotland is the latest of many different areas that the government has invested in and helped to create around Scotland. Um, it'd be useful to give us your perspective on what the landscape looks like just now um, and some of the key things that are happening here. Yeah, I'd say that together with the UK government, we've invested pretty big in in uh, in the infrastructure. So put hundreds of million pounds, for example, in data innovation through investment in city, city region deals um, across Scotland. Uh, obviously, we've created the the data lab back in the day, and other innovation centres that that help um, organisations to, uh, to to do that, and you know, sort of put in pro uh, in place some quite big skills programmes for the public sector. So, uh, for example, we've got a data science accelerator programme uh, that takes um, ideas that. Um, organizations around Scotland pitch up and they get a mentor and get to run and, and develop those those ideas. So for example, uh, we had the people from the census that, or the, the, the population census, uh, come and uh, develop some work around natural language processing because the census has loads of, uh, it's, it's spent a load of money turning the things that you write on the form into into statistical codes and it turns out you can actually automate that uh, using natural language processing uh, we've worked with a care inspectorate that go around uh, making sure that our uh, 
or, or people's residential care and childcare and so on uh, is safe and that the, they're providing a good level ser- of service and using data to now uh, target and uh, target um, inspections and to provide early warnings um, to, to avoid anything anything bad happening in that sector. And those have come out of our data science accelerator. So I think there's a, a mixture of investing in infrastructure and nurturing particular uh, innovation across the public sector. And one other thing I had on the list to touch on was the analytical exchange program as well. Yeah. That's a really interesting model between government and third sector as well, isn't it? Yeah. So this is a program that I've run since uh, 2012 and the idea is that from a public sector point of view we build our um, build a, a sort of consultancy skills in our analysts what they do is that they go out uh, spend a week week's worth of time with a third sector organization and provide a free piece of analytical um, or data related support and so a third sector organization gets uh, the, uh, a particular challenge of theirs sorted out, whether that's about uh, managing their data. Often uh, organizations say, we've been collecting this data for years, don't really know what to do with it. So we kind of help them use that to either target their services or manage performance or communicate the benefits of what they do, uh, make the, the case for uh, for funding and, and so on. There's a whole range of things. And we also use that to try and build up the skills in data and uh, data management or data uh, analysis and science uh, in those third sector organizations themselves and so over the last uh, sort of since 2012 we've supported over 200 organizations and the that's kind of been the equivalent of you know having having essentially having a full-time person working with the public sector but we've uh, had yeah something a similar kind of number of analysts uh, being involved in the program it's uh, I am really, really pleased and uh, and proud of uh, all we've achieved with that. Fantastic. So there was a couple of other areas I wanted to discuss um, on major initiatives. Now these could be podcasts in their own right, so we'll uh, we'll just kind of explore uh, the kind of top level area. So one of the things that's in progress in the country just now is Scotland's AI strategy, and Data Lab are involved in convening that to enable it to to uh, progress. So um, could you give me an overview of your perspective on Scotland's AI strategy and, and what you expect to achieve from that? Yeah. So with the AI strategy, I mean, generally, I would say that I'm keen to just get on with things, to deliver and focus on uh, the delivery. Um, but with with AI and data technologies, there's so there's so many different aspects to this uh, and therefore understanding how we really get the biggest economic social environmental benefit from data technologies is complex and therefore and also i suppose that there's a, a range of opinion on what's how, how we best tackle this so i kind of felt that what we need to do and my ambition for this is that we can make a shared statement right this is how we do ai and data technology in scotland Uh, these are the principles on which all of that's based and these are the five to ten things that we really need to do if we're going to shift the dial here if we're going to um, achieve that economic social environmental benefit and make sure that nobody's left behind and how we're doing that is that 
you know, if, well, first of all, it's brilliant to be working in partnership with the, with the Data Lab on this. I think that's a, a good model for how we uh, how we how we sort of derive uh, no how we take forward any of this work around uh, data innovation. Uh, but how we're doing it here is that uh, we have uh, we've developed a, a sort of a prospectus, uh, some ideas, initial ideas that we're testing uh, with a whole range of people across Scotland. That in parallel, we've got some working groups that are going to focus on ethics and regulation, on skills, the underlying data, uh, how we develop AI products and services, and how we join all of this up. And those will kind of hear what we we find from the consultation uh, and they will then take and shape what the AI strategy looks like, what the principles look like, what the five to ten uh, key actions are. And the, we said that we'll do that by September and we'll launch that. So watch this space uh, later on during the year. And there's already been, there was a debate in Parliament the end of last year, wasn't there, on AI and... and uh it's good to see that discussion starting now within Scotland ahead of, of the strategy coming out. Yeah, and it was really good to see how welcome that the, the, the fact that we were developing a strategy was not just um, in the, the places that you would normally expect, but across the, the, the parliament uh, and, and by others as well. So, uh, yeah, I think we're in a good place. We've just got to actually now go and deliver something that uh, matches the expectations of, of people around Scotland. So the one other area I wanted to touch on, again, this could be a whole podcast, but the arguably the greatest challenge facing us around the world right now is the topic of climate change. And in November, Glasgow will be the focal point for the world with the COP26 UN Climate Change Conference. So how do you think Scotland can use its data and its people and skills to contribute towards tackling the global climate change crisis. Yeah, it's um, clearly a huge issue and a huge issue for for government here. You know, I guess uh, a government's always uh, proud to say that they were the first government to declare a, a climate emergency. So I think that, you know, part of this is about using the fantastic data that we have about people, places and businesses here in Scotland and doing things like I've mentioned about Research Data Scotland, making sure that that's been brought together and is accessible. So the second thing is that, you know, that's in, that's still in development, but we need to be doing some stuff now. And actually, you know, in autumn last year, we launched a competition through an innovation fund, the Can Do Innovation Challenge Fund, for innovative AI projects to tackle the climate emergency. Uh, we've got 40 applications for that. Um, looks some absolutely fantastic projects. So we're just sifting through, sifting through those, and going to be pushing, uh, pushing those out very soon. So hopefully by November uh, and the time the, the the conference comes around, that we'll have some tangible outputs from that that we will be able to talk about uh, in the in the context of that. I think it's also about acting across nations too. And so actually, directly after this call, I, I've got a call with the director of the Office for National Statistics about uh, cross-sectoral, uh, sorry, cross-UK analysis program on climate change and how we work together to um, to be the sum, greater than some of our parts on that. So I think, yeah, acting internationally is as well as important as what we can do here in Scotland. 
because I think for many of us as citizens, it's quite difficult to understand the scale of it when you think, well, what could Scotland do when you've got massive countries around the world that are doing things at a completely different scale? Um, an interesting statistic I heard last week, for example, was that birth rates in China are down 500,000 this year, but there was 15 million babies in China last year, which is three times the population of Scotland, if I'm yeah. right. It's just completely different scale. So I think that international collaboration is absolutely key. Um, so I wanted to wind up by asking um, a question for the future. So imagine it's, it's 2040. Let's not think about what our age is at that point, but um, <laughs> let, let's reflect. We're in 2040, we're sitting here, and as you look back in the last 20 years, what do you think will be Scotland's biggest achievements in the use of data? Well, I would love it to be exactly what we just talked about there, for us to have s something that... Uh, you know, contributes not just for Scotland, but globally to improving the, the the climate situation for the world, but a range of other things, not just for environmental benefit, but for social benefit, for economic inclusion, for us, uh, for be able for people to be able to uh, come to Scotland to innovate with data and to take the the results of that and apply those not just uh, in Scotland, not just across the UK, but worldwide. So UNICEF uh, would be a, a fantastic example of the organisation that uh, are, have now got a base in Scotland uh, and are doing exactly that. I would want to see that happen at scale. Uh, and the other thing, yeah, so I would guess having more people work in this sector in Scotland, investment, um, not just from firms, um, but from particularly kind of research funders, uh, I think we've got the level of of expertise uh, that we've got in the research community in Scotland, the data that we've got in the, in, in Scotland and the, the underlying approach to how we use data, the kind of ethical-based uh, and, and secure approach that we've got, just puts us in a great position to, to do that. I think now I, I would be wanting to look back and just see yeah, some fantastic examples of how people's lives have been improved and how ultimately we've saved time, money and lives with data. Well, I think from DataLab's perspective and everybody that we all work with in the ecosystem, we would absolutely echo that. And over the next 20 years, we are going to work very closely with you to help you do that. So thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you ever so much for having me and for all the work that uh, DataLab do on our behalf to, to make a lot of the stuff that I talk about real. Thank you very much.